Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is one Brittany Vallant, who was no stranger to the program. Previously, we dissected Ben Queller's 2002 record, Sha Sha, which you can listen to in episode 70. Brittany is someone who I've gotten to know a little more over the past year, and I'm so proud to call her a friend. She makes up one half of the atmospheric project known as Wall of Trophies with her co-conspirator, Will Copps, and also pens songs under her own moniker, Brittany Jean. We were both part of the DC music scene back in the late 2000s, and a good chunk of the 2010s playing clubs such as Jam and Java, IOTA, DC9, The Red and the Black, Ebenezer's, and many, many more. Her positive and authentic outlook on the world, especially during this time of turmoil, has been a much-needed boost for me, and I think the conversation you are about to listen to is both warm and real. There's a bit of a crackling sound at times, since we decided to record in an old-fashioned way, by telephone. If anything, I think it offers you, dear listener, a reminder of a world that existed before much of today's contemporary methods of communication. This time around, Brittany has selected The Instigator, the second solo album from Rhett Miller, frontman of the legendary band Old 97s, which was released on Elektra back on September 24th of 2002. The Instigator is chock full of excellent artists in their own right alongside Rhett, including multi-instrumentalist and producer John Bryan, percussionist Lenny Castro, ex's John Doe, drummer Joshua Freeze, songwriter and artist David Garza, legendary artist Robin Hitchcock, Jim Keltner on drums, touring and session drummer Dan McCarroll on drums, who's worked with Amy Mann, Sheryl Crow, and many others, and vocalists Karen Kilgariff and Chrissy Guerrero. I have a copy of The Instigator on Compact Disc, and 2002, of course, predates much of today's auditory experience of music on our favorite devices. There are explicit instructions in the liner notes on how one can experience The Instigator, which we will dive into very soon, I promise. And as always, our guests will pick out their favorite tracks. Maybe we'll do as the program suggests and go cover to cover. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest to the program. Brittany Valance of Wall of Trophies. It is such a pleasure to have you back on the program. Thank you so much for being here on Cover to Cover today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. It's an honor as always. I'm really excited to talk about our next album project today. So uh, you have picked out Rhett Miller's second solo offering titled The Instigator. And this was released back in 2002 for Electra Records. And Really, before we dive in here, I want to read something that's in the liner notes. I think it's a really good example of how much how much things have changed from 2002 to 2021 and the way that we listen and consume music. Um, so bear with me here for just a second. Sure. It, it says on the inside here, put this disc in your ROM drive and link to the artist's website for more information about upcoming appearances, tour dates, contests, etc., Internet connection software along with Netscape or Internet Explorer must be present oh. on hard drives. 
If you are an AOL user, log on to AOL and input www.rettmiller.com or www.rettmillermusic.com. Due to variances in ROM drives, we cannot guarantee playback on all machines. Minimum system requirements talks about a Macintosh system, then it gets into Windows 95 is being recommended, and then it says, yeah, Windows 95, compatible computer, monitor cable of displaying, you know, a certain screen revolution, et cetera. But it's just funny how there's just this emphasis on listening to a CD-ROM. How oh much has goodness. changed in the past 19 years? I know. How 2002, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And this, you know, at, at the time of our conversation here, the instigator happens to be celebrating a 19th birthday. Oh, oh, you're right. September 2002. I have that written down, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, happy kinda, birthday, instigator. Pretty interesting timing here. So um, what compelled you to choose this particular record from uh, Rhett Miller of Old 97s and uh, his uh, second solo effort? Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Well, so many things. I think you and I certainly connected over Rhett Miller recently, just a funny little story that we had been at the same songwriting workshop we signed up for this summer with Rhett Miller, right? Uh, and, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. And so just for the listeners, he was using words that everybody emailed in beforehand. And one of the first words he chose from someone's email to use in his song, this is Rhett Miller writing a song in front of all these people on Zoom, he says, Matt Tarka. And I thought to myself, is that the Matt Tarka? And it was so funny because it was you. And we kind of freaked out over the whole experience because it was really exciting. And he ended up saying my name, too. And it was just the best night ever, right? It was it was fun, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. And and so we bonded over um, Brett Miller and our love for him, and we decided we've got to do one of his albums. And I got to tell you that The Instigator was the first album of his that I had heard, and it was really meaningful for me. Uh, our last podcast together, we talked about Ben Queller, and his album had come out just six months before this one, and it was the same era for me and that really important time where music was really my life um and i would listen as i fell asleep i would listen in the car you know with a disc man and the instigator was just that album for me that was always in my disc man and just really meant a lot to me and brought me to brett miller who is still one of my favorite artists today we're talking with Brittany Valent here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about Rhett Miller's second solo record called The Instigator. Brittany, who are some of the players on this record? It's really uh, a really great star-studded cast. I know. You always ask me that question, and I am never prepared because I don't know names like I should. I do know that there were some people who came on and did guitar work and such because there's some really cool guitar riffs on here. Maybe you know these people better than I do. Do you have any names for us? I will tell you that John Bryan, who's a multi-instrumentalist, is on here. He, uh, he's he been part of the Largo uh, scene out in L.A. for probably a couple of decades now. And uh, John's worked with a lot of different people like Fiona Apple and Amy Mann, to name a few. Um, Robin Hitchcock makes a, a backing vocal appearance. Uh, 
John Doe from the band X also supplies some backing vocals on a couple of tracks. Um, oh, wow. Trying to think of, you know, some other folks. Uh, Josh Freeze, who's the brother of Jason Freeze, that's kind of an ox player for Green Day's live lineup, is is a part of this album. Um, there's a legendary drummer named uh, Jim Keltner that uh, that plays on a bunch of tracks. And then also another uh, legendary name here is Lenny Castro, who's played with just about everybody under the sun. And yeah. he's just, you know, he's just getting, like, offered some really just amazing kind of, like, Latin-fused percussion, you know, kinds of elements. It's, it's interesting to me, too, because especially re-listening to this album in preparation for our podcast today, I thought, how how did he get these people together? He, his album sounds so good and, and so different from what he had been known for at the time. I wonder how it all came about and how these people got together and how this album came together because it was so different. It sounds so good. The quality back in 2002, it sounds so good. Um, so I'm very curious as to how that all happened. He was the, I don't know if you already mentioned this, but he is the lead singer of the old 97, um, which I did not know at the time that I found the instigator, but um the old 97s is just an awesome alternative country rock band. Is that what you would think of as a genre for them? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I, they've got a really steady fan base. And um, for him to go out on his own and, and make the instigator sound like this was, you know, certainly different than what he had been doing. And it's awesome. So this record was a part of your life in the early 2000s. You still, you know, I, I imagine listen to it, reference it, you know, on a pretty regular basis. What was your method of discovery behind this record? Were you introduced to it by, uh, you know, a relative or a friend? How did that come about for you? You know, this is also so 2002. Mm -hmm. uh, Amazon was not Amazon yet. It was simply just CDs and books. Do you remember this? I do. And so... For some reason, Amazon was my homepage, and all I saw on the homepage one day was Rhett Miller's face with this green background, and it's the cover of The Instigator, and it's very a very striking cover, the green and his eyes, it just, you can't look away, it, it's very drawing, and I saw this cover, and I thought, hmm, who is this, and they had a link to his song, I think it was the first single, if there was a first single, it was called Come Around. And at the time, uh, I didn't have any way to really make CDs myself. So I think I told my good friend, um, a good high school friend, we were juniors at the time, Hui, I told my friend, Hui, can you make a CD of this guy for me? And he, of course, he found lots of songs, um, including Come Around, but lots of songs that uh, were not on this album. And I just became a Rhett Miller fan, and, and that's how I got into the old 97s as well. But it really just started with a homepage of the old school Amazon and a friend with uh, a CD burner, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That was a pretty common way of sharing music back in the day now. Uh, Brittany, I feel like this is as good of a time as any to start talking about the various tracks on this album. Where would you like to start? I say let's just go in order. Start with our love. Kind of a chugging oh. and sweet rocker right out of the gate. Yeah, it's just, it's the perfect opening song, it's catchy, it's fun, 
It's so Rhett Miller. I don't know. And no one's going to know what that means, and I should define it. But he's just this fun guy. And when he's playing a guitar, he just moves his head and his hair, and he bangs his head a lot, and he's just having fun. And this song, to me, is just the opening of him having a lot of fun. Are there any lyrics that stand out for you on this uh, this opening track? You know, this was the, one of the tracks that I didn't highlight any lyrics for. He says our love a lot. It's It's kind of a cool song in the way that it's, talking about famous lovers kind of writing back and forth with each other and um, just different love stories. And it's really his songwriting and his lyrics are very smart. And um, and it's just an awesome song. After our love, we have This Is What I Do. Yeah, I did highlight a, a lyric from this song. I remember this was my friend Hui's favorite song. And... It says, all of us have an albatross, and this is my one. Uh, this is what I do for a living. This is what I do. And then he says, I could hide it in the attic. I could bury it in static. I could only put it out in Japan. I don't know. I just love that. It sounds so fun. I and, love it. It's sort of a nod to, you know, the Japanese import if you're mm-hmm. purchasing music overseas. And sometimes an artist will kind of flip something on something you can't necessarily get in some other countries. and. Japan has reaped the benefits, certainly, of a lot of extra tracks. Right, and I can imagine him being so tickled that he rhymed static and attic and that he used the word albatross. I can imagine him just being so excited about that word and loving that he fit it in there, you know? And he's dancing as fast as he can after. (laughs) Right. I love it. This song does have kind of a fast guitar, which... Yeah. He's really known for, you know, especially when I see him live, he can play his guitar so fast. You think his hand or the guitar, whichever one first, is going to fall off. He just really has a lot of energy. And um, kind of a side note, I'll talk about the first time that I saw him, he performed this song. It was at the Kennedy Center. They used to do these Millennium Stage concerts in the summer. I think they still do, maybe not um, right now because of COVID, but they used to have these Millennium Stage concerts in the summer, and I had just found the instigator that year and just got out of school, and my report card had come in the mail <laughs> right as I was about to leave to go on the metro with my sister to go to the Kennedy Center in Beauty to see my new favorite artist, and I knew my report card wasn't great, so I hid it very strategically. And I went to the Kennedy Center. It was packed. Um, There was another band playing, too, called Nickel Creek, which was kind of a famous country band at the time. I don't know if they're still around. Not Nickelback. It was Nickel Creek. Nickel Creek. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, man, there were so many people. I'll show you a picture later. We can post it. There were so many people, and I was so far away, and he was just this tiny little man on stage. But his energy, especially when he played this song, it was wild. You thought he was just going to fly off the stage. And it was just such an experience. And when I got home, my mom found my report card. And <laughs> she said, did you hide this so you could go to this concert? And and I was busted, you know. But I don't regret it. And I got grounded. But it was worth it. Whatever it takes to get to the rock and roll show, right? Exactly. <laughs> I would do it again. After uh, This Is What I Do, we have Come Around. And you... It's just kind of a cool down, you know, if you're thinking about this as 
you know, sort of a mixed, uh, a mixed tape, if you will, a little bit more of a tender ballad in some ways. Yeah, Come Around was the first song I ever heard off of this album. I don't know if he necessarily had singles out, but if there was, I bet this was the first single because, like I said, on Amazon's website, this was the song that they were giving out. I think I've heard it in a movie before. And it's just a great poppy ballad um, just about being a lot in love. This is a lot of love songs. And Come Around is just, you can't not like. I think if there was one song everyone was going to like off this album, it would probably be Come Around. There's a great music video for this one. If you ever find time to go down a YouTube rabbit hole, I love the sort of washed out color tones, you know, throughout the video and uh, lots of really like good, you know, close ups of the artist. And it's a really like, it's a nice like storytelling type of music video. You know, and that's a great word. I think he is a great storyteller. And like I said, these are love stories. He's, he's telling good stories. This whole album is a story of of love or or heartbreak, which I think you can say any album is. But he's just a storyteller. That's the perfect word for him. And I don't recall this music video. I'm going to have to look it up. Maybe I watched it back in 2002, but I'm going to have to dig into that and give it a look. I'm really excited to see. Yeah, after Come Around, we have a track called Things That Disappear. This is one of my personal favorites here, but I'd love to hear what you think. This is one of, I, I was about to interrupt you because this is one of my favorites too. <laughs> um, you know, especially I was a junior in high school and, you know, things get tough. You have a lot of emotions and lots of changes in life and you might not be the coolest kid or you might not be the prettiest kid. And this really resonated with me and listening to it now I just think every teenager should hear this song. I don't think it's particularly what it's about, but it can be. You know, you can make it about whatever you really need at the time. That's what's great about good music. But the line from the chorus is, I know it might sound weird, but all these things here are things that disappear. And I just love that because in high school, what that meant to me was, you know, anything that's going wrong, like this stuff, like popularity or... Whatever is bothering you, it's not going to last forever. You know, high school doesn't last forever. These things disappear. And that's what this song meant for me. And and it just gives me this warm feeling even listening to it now. Uh, Yeah, I love the way all of the instruments on this track, they kind of tug at each other rhythmically and finish each other's thoughts. It's just just a really, it's a beautiful and well-constructed pop song. They're just like these really nice, like intricate piano parts. It's a it's a really great song. That's awesome. It really is. And I don't know if anyone else would really choose it as the song. You know, I said Come Around would be the song I think everyone would love. I think this would be a song that people wouldn't love the first time, but it would grow on them as they realize, hey, this message, this song is just so perfectly constructed. It's just a wonderful uh, addition to this album. Yeah. After Things That Disappear, we have a track called World Inside the World. A really beautiful and reflective piece. Um, You know, I had recently read that this song was uh, started not very long before the terrorist attacks on 9-11. And uh, just in revisiting some of these lyrics, like 
they, they take on such a heavier meaning now. Right. Well, even hearing him sing it, you can tell that there's something heavy there. The chorus is, there is a world inside the world that you see, which is so beautiful and so true. And I think a lot of people need to hear that right now, especially. But um, And a side note, too, I know Rhett Miller, you know, upon the anniversary of 9-11 this past weekend, I don't mean to date your podcast, <laughs> but... <laughs> but uh, he had a piece that was published at the time about his experience of being in New York City at that time. So uh, if anyone's interested to kind of Google that and read it, it, it certainly is a piece worth reading. And, and then give this song, this beautiful song, a listen. So do some reflecting. Yeah. You know, instrumentally, John Bryan has like these, He's playing these gorgeous lines throughout on an instrument called a talent maker. And, uh, I was trying to figure out, I was like, oh, is this sort of like this kind of warbling organ kind of sound? No, it's called a talent maker and it's related to an instrument called an octagon that sort of makes these kind of like, you know, just these really kind of eerie, like, you know, guitar, sometimes keyboard sounds. Um, he also plays like some really great walking bass lines that reminded me a lot of some of, uh, lines that you might hear on like Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks or John huh? Wesley Harding. I mean, what a, a song that came to mind for whatever reason was Simple Twist of Fate, if you're familiar with that tune. Like they never overtake the song. They just really complement the lyrics so well. Yeah, certainly. I know what you mean. After World Inside the World, we have Point Shirley. And <laughs> he name texts a very haunting poem by Sylvia Plath here. Point Shirley, when I was a teenager, I this was the song I connected with the least because I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I, listening to it now, I think, wow, this is so great and so different. There's these background vocals, like the ah, it's just really cool and, and different than especially what he's done on the old 97. I wrote down a few lyrics. Um, My friend is trapped in a hostile world. The Reddit Sea is an angry girl who calls you up just to hear you cry. For some reason, I really love that line. It just, I can imagine it so well. And the way he sings it, you can just feel it. I just love his songwriting. It's so smart and really makes you feel it. There are so many like kind of like classic, you know, sort of mid sixties vibes here. I picked up on like a little bit of Tommy James and the Shondells, maybe a little bit of like Ticket to Ride from the Beatles. Oh yeah, I can see you that. Know? Yeah. I should probably mention here too that uh, Robin Hitchcock adds some backing vocals. It's really it's- interesting to know because I assumed that was just Rhett singing all those and I was especially upon re listening to it, I thought Oh, that, that's a lot of range for him. So it's interesting and yeah. helpful that you mentioned that. I guess it was somebody else, but it sounds great. Kind of a call and response, you know, from Rhett to, to Robin's voice there. Yeah. I'd love to know how, how they all got together and decided to work on this. It's just um, really curious to know how that came about. After Point Shirley, we have Four-Eyed Girl. What do you think oh. about Four-Eyed Girl? Well, Four-Eyed Girl is so fun. Uh, I wrote down some lyrics. Uh, Basically, the first bit of it. Two of us in a double feature. I'm a rock and roller. She's a science teacher. 
I send her looks. They don't reach her. She does not know I'm in love with her. Later on, it's no better. She wants to take a walk. Boom, boom, boom. So I let her. I watch her go, and then I, I go and get her. I have to spell it out for her. Um, la, 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 I'm in love with a four-eyed girl. Uh, <laughs> it's just a fun song. I love those lyrics and the pauses that he takes. I don't know what that's called, like syncopated or yeah. I, I should know my um, terms much better. But there's something about the way he sings this. It's just so cool. And this is a delightful song. That's a good word for it. Just delightful. After, oh, you know, they also, he also name checks as a Cass's Deli in New York City, which I thought was kind of cool. 24 hours, Cass never closes. Yeah, I tell her that I love her and I don't care who knows it. Yeah. You're right. I saw that in the lyrics. And you know, when you're younger and you don't have access to lyrics, you make things up in your head. So a lot of his lyrics, I have made up other things in my head. And so it was really funny to look them up and make sure I had the right lyrics and realize that I've had them wrong my entire life. But uh, I did see cats, and I was like, oh, that's a really hard word to say when you're singing cats. You know, cats never closes. I don't know. Let's see. After Four-Eyed Girl, we have a tune called Hover Here, kind of soft and groovy, really cool chord changes. Um, I, I have written down in, in some notes here, it's the perfect track for kind of lounging poolside. Um, what do you think about Hover? Well, let me say that I think this whole album, because I feel like we're going through tracks so fast, I just want everyone to know that this album, it is an album that you can listen to over and over again. And the tracks are, you know, well-timed. They're not too long. They're pretty short. And it's just an easy, fun listen. And just as we're going through them, I feel like it's just something quick, easy, fun, awesome, that you'll just want to listen to over and over again. One of my side stories is that when I was first looking for a job as a teacher, I was straight out of college with my best friend. We only had one CD in the car, if you can imagine, when all cars had CD players. And it was the instigator. So we drove around to all the schools in our county with our resumes in hand, and we went into every single school and handed them our resumes, and we had a little, te- you know, back and forth with the two of us, like, oh, I am so-and-so, and I'm so-and-so. We want to be your teachers at your school. It was really cute. And But anyways, the real story is is that we listened to the instigator for hours and hours that day, just over and over again. So it was funny how years later this CD also became special in that way to me because my best friend and I, we actually got a job, and we got a job together, and it was a wonderful start to uh, being a teacher, and Brett Miller was there for it, wouldn't you know? Uh, so that's just kind of a cool way that these albums make it into our life and make things special, you know? Mm-hmm. Hover, to me, it is a magical song. It, it's about, to me, I always thought, oh, uh, you hum and you hover. That sounded to me like a UFO, so in my mind, I always imagined him being in love with a UFO, which makes no sense. This is just my crazy mind, but... <laughs> You come and you glow and you hum and you hover. I cannot believe you're my lover. Uh, maybe he was singing about a UFO. <laughs> the lyric <laughs> that I that I liked is, the city is dark, but we're not scared. Wrapped up in each other, making loving out of nothing, like the air supplier said. Another line, someone he must have made a bet with someone that he can't put the word air supplier in a song, and he did it. And it looks and sounds awesome, and I just love that line. 
He also uh, mentions a couple of other places, uh, you know, around New York City, like the Verrazano Bridge. Not, it's not often you hear Verrazano Bridge mentioned twice in a song. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, you know, I'm glad Governor's you Island. Yeah, yeah I, I'm glad you mentioned that because at the time I heard him mentioning these places and I had no idea what they were because I'd never been to these places that he was just, they're in New York, right? Or are they in New York and Chicago? I think they're both in New York. Okay, so I think he was clearly living in New York at the time. And these are places that I didn't know yet because I was young and I hadn't been to New York yet. Clearly, I still don't really know, but I know I've been there now. So now when, he's, when I hear this song, I know I've been to that place and it's a real place. I just <laughs> don't know any other details. But uh, I just remember hearing that and and just kind of dreaming of, of going there someday, which is pretty cool. And I love that he kind of makes this a little bit of a love letter to um, some of the cities he's been in. We are talking with Brittany Vallant here from Wall of Trophies here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarko. We've been really digging into Rhett Miller's second solo record called The Instigator. And from Hover, you mentioned another city here, Chicago, and here is a love letter to Chicago in some respects. It's called The L. And uh, sonically, I, I could hear this tune getting comfortably onto an old 97th album as well. I wonder if this was a a track that maybe he presented to the group, but then opted to take it in a solo direction. That's a very good point because, what is that, the guitar is very old 97s reminiscent, and it does sound like something they would have done, and I wonder how that came about. But can you imagine, so the L is is like their metro system, correct? Correct, yeah, it's an above-ground train. Right. No, it's so (laughs) great, and actually... This track is where the title of the album comes from, and it's my favorite part of the song. I believe it's a, it's like a tiny bridge, just a glimpse of a bridge in the middle of the song where he says, we were on pins and needles, you were gearing up to cry, I was the instigator, you were the reason why. And I always thought that was so beautiful. I don't really know if this is how he meant it, but when I heard that and when I still hear it, I think, Anyone saying you are my reason why is such a romantic, beautiful thing to me. So mm-hmm. I just always love the way he's saying that, and that's that's what it always felt like to me. And just a really fun, uppity song with a cool guitar, and you can't not like it. It's even it's crazy to me that it is about the L or you know some kind of tram system because it just sounds so cool. You're like, I like the song about public transportation. How does this song sound so cool? But it does. Anytime I've heard him perform this song live, it's it's like it's at a breakneck pace. You know what I mean? It's that windmill guitar stroke that he makes is in full effect. It's a it's a real burner of a song. I I really enjoy this one as well. Um, right. And the yeah. you use the perfect description. I think I was trying to describe it earlier. The windmill. He does that thing with his arm and he's playing guitar. And I know other people have done it, but nobody does it like he does it. I don't know how he hasn't had to have elbow surgery by now. It is amazing. I just adore it. He is so cool and so good at playing guitar and playing songs like this. It almost gives me some vibes of that Johnny Cash kind of like a train coming sound, if you know what I mean. Yeah. We are onto your nervous heart. This is another one of my personal favorite tracks here. It's 
totally stripped away. It just kind of takes its time and yeah, it it certainly comes across like a love song and a, a very honest love song. I wonder if it's something he wrote for his wife. It's beautiful and like I said, very honest. I chose some lyrics from this. And if you've got to believe in something, make it us because we've got love and devotion and trust. I know somebody, this is later on, I know somebody must have gave you hell. Maybe you went running as the sky just sort of fell. Let me scoop you up and love you as you are. It's so beautiful. And, and as a mm-hmm. teenager, I was like, devotion and trust? Like, what is that? <laughs> it doesn't exist in many teenagers' vocabularies yet. Yeah, and so I like to think that maybe this was a love song to his wife. I think her name is Erica, and I think her name is Erica because I did see that this album was released in Japan with two extra tracks. Did you see that? I did see that, yeah. Which, well, and that's so an interesting what, callback from you know the very early portion of the record. That's right, from those lyrics about put it mm-hmm. out in Japan. Well, and in, in one of the songs is Erica the Beautiful. And when I went to see him at the Kennedy Center, that one time I hid my um, report card from my mom, uh, I, he sang Erica the Beautiful, and he said that it was how he won over his wife. And basically it was a take on America the Beautiful, and instead he just said Erica, like, oh, Erica, oh, Erica. I don't know, I love you so much. And I just remember really loving that. And so got to hand it to a guy who writes songs for his um, wife or a girlfriend at the time. But like I said, I, I think that this maybe might be a love song to Erica as well. John Bryan plays some great baritone guitar on this track for the record. And I think he also plays some drums as well. This is a little bit more like it's, it's it's more of a collaboration between John and Red, which is pretty cool. Yeah, kind that is really cool. Fun part about, you know, releasing solo records. You can kind of collaborate with different people, and some six people might get involved, and sometimes it might just be like a duo effort, so to speak. Right. Let's see. After Your Nervous Heart, we have a tune called I Want to Live. What do you think about I Want to Live? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think a lot of things about it. First of all, it has a very fast guitar playing in it, just very Rhett Miller. Uh, I'm sure he does a lot of windmill uh, arms on this one. But if you dig deep into Rhett Miller, he has a few essays out there, but he's very honest about, um, you know, not feeling so great all the time in his life. I know I think he had contemplated suicide or tried it, before and been in a dark place so i know that this song to me um seems like an anthem you know i want to live i want to see tomorrow so i can see you tomorrow it's just such a wonderful anthem to rising out of that darkness and really wanting to feel again and live and be there for the people that you love and i know that has been a struggle for him in his life so um i think it's just such a beautiful song for that reason Totally agree. Yeah. The first time I had seen him play this song, I like to tell my crazy stories. Um, (laughs) He was playing in Charlottesville, Virginia at Star Hill. And I was in college in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So it's about like an hour and a half drive. I bought tickets for my then boyfriend. He's now my husband. But 
he drove all the way from Fairfax to come get me in Fredericksburg. That's about like an hour and a half. If you have traffic, it could be like two. So he came to pick me up. We were going to go see Brett Miller in Charlottesville, but there was an ice storm. And we went on the back roads, which are very country roads. It was mm-hmm. pitch. There was no lights because the lights went out, and there aren't that many lights to begin with. It was so icy. And we didn't even have, you know, smartphones. There was no way to know if this concert was still happening. And we get to Charlottesville. The lights are out. There's no one outside. It's terrible weather, very dangerous. Should not have done this. (laughs) Don't tell my mom. (laughs) And we get to Star Hill, and somehow they have the power on. But nobody else did. They had the power on, and I... Upon getting into the venue, I had stepped in some ice, and so the whole time I'm sitting front row, Rhett Miller happens to be there. There's not that many people there. It was like a private concert because no one could get there. It was such bad weather. He put on the show anyways. I'm sitting there in the front row, so happy, but I'm pretty sure I had frostbite on my feet. I was in so much pain, but he was so beautiful. (laughs) So wonderful. And it's just all the emotions all at once. It was just one of those funny things. And he played for hours. And I remember him playing this song. He was so good, so fast with his guitar. He was spitting everywhere. I was honored to be spat on by Rhett Miller uh, (laughs) at the time. And it was the first time I got to meet him. And I was trying to find that picture. But I have this picture where I met him that night. And it was truly one of the best moments I've had with a musician because he meant so much to me and he was so nice. And on the way home, my pants were so wet and icy and cold and I was in so much pain that I, I you not that anyone needs to know this, but I went home in just my underwear because my clothes were so wet and icy that I couldn't wear them anymore. So we drove all the way back to my college and I just didn't have any clothes left because it was just too cold. But once again, it was worth it, and I would do it again. <laughs> we're talking with Brittany Vallant here from Waller Trophies here on Cover to Cover with Mad Talk, and we're telling stories about a concert in Charlottesville that Brett Miller gave uh, many moons ago now, and we're we're really honing in as well on his second record called, solo record, excuse me, called The Instigator. Um, after uh, a tune called I Want to Live, we have a song called Terrible Vision, this closes the entire record. I'm, I love the way the vocals are recorded on this tune. They kind of pan from left to right. It's just super beautiful. And, uh, oh, should mention that uh, there are a couple of uh, guest vocalists here, uh, Chrissy Guerrero and um, Karen Kilgariff. And I think the latter, Karen, I think she has a podcast today called My Favorite Murder, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, I'm glad you mentioned who the background vocalists were because I never know those things. And when I was listening to it um, this morning, I thought, who who does those vocals? It sounds so good. And this is actually one of my top tracks from this album altogether. I love, like I've said before, the, the bop-bas. I love it. It does feel very Beatles. And... Just a beautiful love song. You've got terrible vision if you don't see that I'm in love with you and how that means everything. Oh, great Uh, lyrics. Beautifully done. The perfect song to close this album. And 
2002. Why? I don't know many people who know who Rhett Miller is. I think if everyone had heard this album, that he would be a lot more famous in maybe the pop arena, if that makes any sense. He's kind of stayed in his um, genre and his fan base. But this album is just as good as any other famous person, you know, making a popish kind of album. And so it's always a wonder to me that this album, I don't know if it did well, but it certainly should have done a lot better. It should have been a household name. That's how good I think this album and uh, its execution is. I love the line, I had a dream that you were gone. It was a heart condition. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That just It's it's really sparse, but really beautiful. And Yeah, like I oh. never known what my name was. Yeah. Oh. It's so beautiful. Yeah, everyone needs to do themselves a favor and listen to this album and make sure you listen all the way through to Terrible Vision because it is a treat. It really is. So Terrible Vision concludes The Instigator. And do you think that it would be fair to say that this whole record is kind of a declaration of kind of the power and positivity of love in somebody's life? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a testament to love overcoming obstacles or uncertainties and whether or not it was love songs from the past or love that he was feeling during this time. I I certainly feel that it is a love album. It's, it's the core theme of it. It's a lot more positive and it just makes you feel good. And it's, you know, based on when it was released in 2002, I think it's this is exactly what the world needed when there was just such such chaos and uncertainty. Still, it resonates today on so many levels. It really does. I mean, there's a reason that I come back to it, and I've seen Rhett Miller so many times at the Black Hat 930 Club. You know, I wrote a song about meeting him, and, and that's how I won that contest to open for Hanson, which was a huge moment in my life. And it led to me being a musician as I am today. It just opened doors for me. Who knew? You know, it's just, I think it's so cool that these little moments can mean so much in another person's life. And me hearing the instigator and falling in love with Rhett Miller's music, it opened more doors for me than he'll ever know. And it's just so special. And everyone's got to listen to it and not only listen to this, but listen to his other solo albums. There's some really great ones. And listen to the old 97s because they put on a show like you wouldn't believe. It is never going to be a bad show. It's just he's a rock and roll, jumps off of um, amps, does those windmills. I mean, gives it everything he has. Awesome performer and just wonderful person, writer, everything. Brittany Valent of Wall of Trophies. Thank you so much for coming on cover to cover today. It's been such a pleasure having you back, talking about Rhett Miller's The Instigator, and uh, thank you for just sharing, you know, the love that you have for this record and how Rhett has inspired you as an artist. No, of course. Thank you so much for inviting me on and giving me the opportunity to talk about something I'm so passionate about, and I really hope everyone goes and becomes passionate about it, too. All right. Thanks so much to all of you for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcasts, whether that's on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, 
or maybe even Amazon. Take a moment to tell a friend or tell some of your family members about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That will certainly help us appear higher in search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover. Cover to cover.